Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Act like you've never met anybody on Facebook, Mike Rothstein. Oh, I wasn't shaking my head at the Facebook, Amber Wilson. You I was sha- shaking your head at the March Madness. You no, I was. No, I was shaking my head at how you and Joe Fortenbaugh here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio were were lamenting not being on the dating apps because as somebody who has unfortunately been on the dating apps for far too long in their life, I can tell you that while we often joke that Twitter is a hellscape, the dating apps are just like, oh, awful. Like I was going to call them a cesspool, but that might be unfair to cesspools. (laughs) Like it's terrible. It's, It's hard out there in the dating app streets and when I say that, it is because it is. It depends on the city, and I could do three segments on this. But, but you're, uh, you're in Atlanta, so I feel like that should be a good city for that. I, I you act like people don't flake out and just don't show up, Amber well, Wilson. I don't like, know what is, people do because I well, I'm telling you what they decade. do. I, I would I I feel like I missed the mark. It's so funny that Joe feels the same way. Like both of us have this strong desire to swipe. And neither of us got to because we we met our spouses too soon. It's well, one of my biggest regrets in life is never well, being that, able to swipe left or right or whichever direction it is. That, that is a first world regret in a situation <laughs> where all I will tell you is this. You don't know what you've got to quote the great Jody Mitchell. You do not don't don't know what you've got till it's gone. And yeah, I'm not I'm saying that you're paving here. paradise to build a parking lot, but really you're just sitting in the parking lot alone if you're on Bumble or Tinder or Hinge or Coffee Meets Bagel or any of these dating apps, The League, Raya, any of them, you're basically sitting in a parking lot alone hoping someone will one day show up and rescue you and pick you up in a car and it will not be a bad situation for you. Like That is what you're living in. The vantage point is so different uh, for married people than single people because it seems so fun to us from the outside looking in. And you sound like every single person I know. You would, it apparently it, isn't quite as fun in reality it as is it fun. seems like from the outside. It, it would be fun for approximately 4.7 seconds. No, I'll give you, you're, you've been, you're married. So I'll say it will be fun for two days. There you and go. And then you will be like, oh, no, this, this is terrible. I mean, even dating sounds a little fun, although that's probably awkward, you know, because I mean, I haven't done it in so long. I don't remember, you know, you, you know what to, you swipe a different direction and then what you're going out to dinner together. It's probably... if, I, if I have to have one more conversation about where I'm excited to travel to next in my life, <laughs> oh, um, no. I, I'm just saying like it's the same conversations over and over. And maybe that's like my an problem. And, that, and that's why maybe that's why I'm single, because I'm having the same conversations. But you, you just get to the point where you just don't care. Hmm. Well, <laughs> at least 
life and love hasn't knocked yeah, they, you down. Uh, they, this is turned into therapy session here on ESPN Radio. <laughs> is, uh, that is the voice of Michael Ross who's filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh here on Joe and Amber. You can find him on social. Cheer him up at Mike Rothstein. <laughs> you can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are in the midst of madness, not just Michael Rothstein's dating life, but actual <laughs> madness. Alabama has come back in this thing. They are now up on San Diego State, 45 to 39, about 12 minutes left in the second half of this game. Michael, it looks like Alabama went into the locker room at the half and maybe needed that pep talk to get back and get right, but they're starting to look like the number one seed again. Well, I mean, this is really what they've done in every game so far in the tournament. Uh, this is just what we've seen. They're a second-half team. They've been a second-half team for a large portion of the season, and they're incredibly talented. There is a reason that they're them and Houston were considered two of the top teams in the country, obviously both number one seeds, Alabama the number one overall seed in this tournament. They have a lot of talent, and it's why, to me, when we were talking about earlier betting, I, I would have taken Alabama, taken that seven and a half points all day long because you just know that right now they are inevitable. When I look at this bracket and who's left, Amber, the only teams that I see that can beat Alabama are Connecticut, Gonzaga, and Houston. Maybe you can make the argument for Miami because they have really, really good guards. But other than that, I, I don't see anyone on Alabama's side of the bracket beating Alabama. I, I just don't see it. I uh, think that Alabama is very good. I have Alabama in the championship game in my bracket. Uh, I had them losing to Kansas, so what the hell do I know? Don't take any <laughs> advice from me, but that's the madness of March, right? I, I was surprised to see Alabama struggling in the first half of this game, but you're right. That's what this Alabama team has done. All that matters is what happens here in the second half. Is Alabama going to be in the zone? Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Speaking of in the zone, the Miami Hurricanes are in the zone right now against one seed, Houston, 42-36. to 36. That Canes team is a team that you have been very high on. I've been very high on them as well, but I feel like I am – frankly, a little biased when it comes to the Canes. Like, I'm not a, I'm a no. Gators fan, but I spent <laughs> you know, 20 years talking about the Canes <laughs> in South Florida doing this job, and I did go there for law school, so fine. If the Gators aren't in the mix, I tend to root for the Canes, but also I just think Jim Laranega is an awesome coach and their players, and I'm more plugged into that team than most teams. I'm not surprised to see them up on a one seed, but a lot of America probably is. Probably, but if you watched them last weekend, you knew that, that they were good. And I covered, it's interesting, I've covered them the first weekend of the NCAA tournament the last two seasons. I was there when they beat Auburn last year in the second round to advance to the elite, to the Sweet 16, rather. And they ended up going to the Elite Eight. And I saw them this year. And what you see from them is very simple. They have two incredibly talented guards, Amber, in mm -hmm. Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. And, and not surprisingly... Nigel Pack, 14 points right now. Isaiah Wong, 12 points right now. And that is a big part of why Miami's up 42-36 at half on Houston. Norshad O'Meara has not done a lot, and that actually surprises me in this game. Now, Houston's very good defensively. He has some great forwards. But he only got three points. He's one of four shooting, but he's got eight boards. So they are doing everything they need, but this team is experienced. They've been here before. They have talent. That's why I was very high on them. It would not shock me, and I said this in pre-show as well, I, it would not shock me if Miami wins this game outright today. Mm -hmm. 
It wouldn't shock me either. In fact, I have them doing that in my bracket. Let's move on to another team that you're high on, that Amita Marks was not high on when we had her on earlier in the show. If you missed anything here on Joe and Amber, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN radio app or on the ESPN app. Just go to the radio tab. Princeton is taking on Creighton, a 15 seed in Princeton. You love yourself some Princeton, though. I do. Now, I, I will admit there is some bias there because I went to Princeton's basketball camp when I was a kid when oh, Pete Carrill was still there. And Bill Carmody, sense. JT3, Mitch Henderson was actually a player, was a player then. So he was one of the camp coaches. Uh, he would not remember me at all. Uh, but You don't it, know that. Maybe oh, I, No, I, I, was the wor- I was the worst player at that basketball camp. I can <laughs> confirm that with, with no shame. Uh, but, no, I really like what this Princeton team has done. I thought that they did not play their best against Arizona or against Missouri, and they really ran Missouri out of the gym. And I just think their style is very difficult to prepare for. I think their style is you have to play kind of close to perfect in order to get to to be able to do that. And they're a team, again, 15-seed Ivy League. You don't know a lot about them. You may think ahead. You may start to overlook a little bit, and that's where they can come and get you. And I just think they're going to pull one more. Now, if they end up playing Alabama, uh, that's not going to go well. But I, I think they're going to win tonight. It's just I think their offense is really, really difficult to prepare for, and you have to be on shooting in order to beat them. Here is Mitch Henderson, the Princeton head coach, Michael Rothstein's youth coach at a basketball camp on his team's journey to the Sweet 16. With the season off for COVID, came back. Ryan and Tosan were contributors as freshmen, but – Sophomore, their junior years, they were, we had a terrific team a year ago. And we lost in the championship game. Didn't go to the NCAAs. We could barely watch the tournament. And, and we, were, we were finding out what we were with a new group. We lost two first team, you know, we lost some all Ivy guys. Um, and uh, this group is really, really confident. We haven't even mentioned the late game tonight. Michael, Xavier, Texas, the three seed against the two seed that rounds out the Sweet 16 tonight, the tip-off in that one, 9.45 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. Of The eight games that take that comprise the Sweet 16 is probably the game I know the least about. Uh, it's just not one that I've paid a ton of attention to. You know what's funny is I feel like this is the game that I've heard the least about, which is odd, yeah. and I think, and, and yet these are two teams that you would expect to be here. They're two pretty evenly matched teams. Like, there's nothing, they haven't matched up since 2019, but it's not a particularly shocking matchup that they no. would be in this situation. We're much more shocked by the Miamis, the FAUs of the world, the, you know, these the San Diego State leading the first half against Bama. Like, there's a lot of storylines here that I think are more interesting from a Nat Madness perspective, and that's why Xavier Texas kind of gets lost in the mix. It, it does, but it probably will be a very good game. Yes. I, I don't think there'll be any question about that. Texas is a really, really strong team. I, I just, I don't know. It's just not a game that's going to, to me, move the needle, really, because every other game has had pretty significant storylines that we've seen so far, and this one just it just doesn't feel the same way. I, I, I don't know, but I, I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to be fascinated by it. It's going to be a pro- probably a fun game. Uh, and it would not shock me if it ends up being a fairly close game. Uh, well, I mentioned there that game closes out the Sweet 16. We get Elite 8 action starting tomorrow. FAU Kansas State coming our way tomorrow. That is a 6.09 p.m. tip-off. UConn, Gonzaga. 
at 8.49 p.m. tomorrow. We will keep you updated, though, on the Sweet 16 action. Coming up next, though, here on Joe and Amber, Michael Rothstein filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh. There's no shortage of storylines on the professional hardwood either. We'll get to those. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. So some interesting things going on in professional sports in the NBA and on the hard one. We have been so focused on March Madness that we haven't even got to some of the craziness that is the association. Michael Rothstein in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. You can find him on social at Mike Rothstein. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Luka Doncic, Mike Michael, rather. Mike, you know, on Twitter, Michael. Whatever. Life, it's fine. You can call me whatever you want. me up. Every time. Uh, Michael, Luka yes. Doncic, he got fined $35,000 for making a money gesture at the referees in the game with the Mavericks and the Warriors. Now, that game got interesting for a multitude of reasons, and the refs have certainly been called into question in that game. But now we know that Luca, the face of that franchise, is being fined $35,000 because the implication there, of course, is that the refs were paid off by the Warriors. That's why he was making the money sign. Let's be real about what Luca was doing. An interesting move from a guy who is the cornerstone of your franchise, but $35,000 actually didn't seem that hefty to me, considering the way that the league views these things and the integrity of the game component of this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just maybe it's um, enveloped in March Madness here, and I cover the NFL. By the way, San Diego State on a 12-0 run up 51-48 on Alabama right now with about eight minutes left, and uh, it's. I, I look at that. I'm just like I, I don't. I don't care. I I don't care that he did this. Like I, I don't think he should have been fined thirty five grand. Like, uh, are we? 
Like, how do we know exactly what he was referring to? Did he come oh, out and say know. that? No, we know. I mean, so he... he I'm just saying. Second like, layup, while trailing by three points, misses it, flops for a foul call, and then blames the refs is what he's doing by making the money sign which is implying that the warriors have paid off the refs in that spot this could have been worse because Doncic is sitting on 15 technicals one short of dylan brooks line of 16 techs which comes with an automatic one game suspension so Doncic almost got 16 last year the league rescinded the last one last year that would obviously end up costing him here a lot more than $35,000. So it's been interesting just the situation here with Luca. But I think the bigger thing here that kind of interests me a little bit is this a $35,000 fine. You're, you're, you're basically implying that the refs have been paid off. There's an integrity of the game issue here because everybody's screaming right now about NBA refs. In that game, there was this big issue with the possession who had possession of the ball when they were inbounding the ball back in and, and the Mavs weren't back on defense. There was that whole bit. Now Mark Cuban is challenging it in that game. So there's been a lot made of the refereeing and all season lot. Fred Van Vliet got fined a lot for going after the refs recently as well. Like there's been a lot about the NBA officiating back in the David Stern days, Jeff Van Gundy at one point was fined once by Stern $100,000 for going after the refs. Back in over Yao Ming, he felt like he was being officiated unfairly. He said something, $100,000. Adam Silver has definitely taken a different approach with these fines, $35,000. And if you consider what these guys make now, thirty-five dollars for Luca's a slap on the wrist. It is, but my thing more is this, Amber. I cover the so, and I'm going to take this to the NFL. I'm going to take it even to college basketball because there's questions about what happened on the opening weekend with Memphis and Florida Atlantic, with where maybe they missed a timeout being called. Officials, there is always criticism of officials mm-hmm. in every sport. We hear about it every week in the NFL, and I thought NFL officiating was terrible last season, and Roger Goodell thinks it's better than it's ever been. <laughs> there is always going to be questions about officiating. Do I should officials be held more accountable? Should they have to answer questions and actually answer the questions from us in the media beyond the pool reports where they always give vague and obtuse answers? Yes, they should. Do I think it's more than that? No, I, I do not. Like every team is going to think ever at some point that they got unfair treatment from officials. Every team. But guess what? More often than not, that does not happen. Are mistakes made? Sure. But officials do not hate your team. Officials do not. I I just don't buy it. Now, in the NBA, obviously, if you go back, there is a history there of some questions with Tim Donahue. So there are some questions, but you would think even more so because of that, Amber, that, that is not... That is not anything. So stop thinking that officials are against you, Mavericks, Luka Doncic fans. Just <laughs> stop think, thinking that. I think what I think really that basketball is a very hard game to officiate. I think that that's yeah. part of what is going on here. I think the voices are very loud right now against the officiating. I don't have a big problem with players coming out and saying anything against the officiating, frankly. I do think that maybe one thing that would help is if there was a bit more transparency when it comes to the league disciplining officials. They do that in the NBA. Like, they they do do that, and yet you don't really hear about it. Like, there's these, like, little suspensions. I'll miss a game or two here. You won't really hear about it. They also get bonuses when they do well. You also don't really – 
know about that. There's sort of this cloak of secrecy on how the league handles officiating and officials in a way that players don't have and that coaches don't have. And so that's probably very frustrating to the players. We all know when they do something wrong and when they're getting reprimanded by the league. We have no idea when that same sort of thing is happening with officials. And so I think that that component of it's a bit interesting. I know Anthony Davis had said he thought that officials should be able to be fined uh, when they miss calls. Anthony Davis makes a little bit more money than most officials. Uh, I'd agree, I'd agree with that. You can do that in, in, in you know, in uh, you can balance it. Yeah, you can be, balance it. I, 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 balance I think it's it, fair. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair suggestion from Anthony Davis. Oh, well, look at that. ESPN Radio is presented to you by. I thought it was a ludicrous suggestion, but okay. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com/careers and apply online today. It would probably work. To your point, though, it'd probably be all those calls might get a lot better if they were fined. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. You heard it there from Kevin Winter. We are staring down two upsets as of right now. Anyway, still time left, but San Diego State leading the way over Alabama, Miami leading the way over Houston. We will keep you up to date on all things March Madness as we head towards Princeton Creighton tipping off in about 30 minutes from now. But Michael Rothstein's filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh. It is time for us to sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Former national champion Cardell Jones joined KJM this morning and gave his two cents as far as who the Carolina Panthers should take with the number one overall pick. I don't think you can go wrong with uh, C.J. Stroud, especially after coming off that game versus Georgia. The way he showed his mobility, the way he eliminated so many, he answered so many questions that he was getting questioned about all year about running and, and just being more mobile like Bryce. And this is no knock on Bryce seeing him play, you know, out in Cali modern day. And I thought he was a, a great quarterback and he still is a great quarterback. But if I'm the Panthers, I'm taking C.J. We bring in our producer, Harry Black, who is filling in tonight for James Steele. Hello, Harry. How's it going, you guys? So with that little soundbite from Cardell Jones, do you think it is completely unbiased, seeing as, oh, yeah, he also used to be an Ohio State Buckeye? Amber, we'll start with you. Uh, well, yes, I do think it's a little biased. I also think it's right, because I also would go with C.J. Stroud. If I was the Carolina Panthers, I've been – 
surprised when I hear that they're leaning towards Bryce Young. I'm just one. I really am concerned about Bryce Young's size. And I know that's like the easy thing to say about Bryce Young. I just don't feel like, Michael, these undersized quarterbacks have panned out lately. I know people are saying, well, the way the game's played, it's not as important now that they're big. But where's the evidence of that? I mean, I just haven't seen the Baker Mayfields of the world pan out. And yet the large athletic quarterback, and yes, you have to be athletic in 2023 when you're playing in the NFL, but all these guys are that. I I think that what CJ did also in a loss to the best team in football, but in a loss that was certainly not his fault, the performance that he put up in that game in the, under the toughest of circumstances, I would draft CJ Stroud if it was up to me. I'd also take CJ Stroud. However, I don't buy into that Bryce Young conversation about, his size. I'm not concerned about that in the slightest because we've seen quarterbacks who have all of the traits, all of the size, get drafted number one, number two overall, and it not work out as well. Uh, to me, it is very simple. It is what the quarterback does. It does not matter if he's a bigger quarterback, a smaller quarterback. Russell Wilson, he did pretty well. And people remember when he got drafted in the third round, part of the reason he got drafted in the third round was because of his size. I'm guessing most teams in the NFL, if they had to do that over again, would make Russell Wilson a first-round pick. Just saying, I'm not sitting there worried about that. But that said, I would take C.J. Stroud. That would be my selection for a multitude of reasons, starting with I think he's the better quarterback. I think Russell Wilson has always been the barometer of the smaller quarterback. It's a weird year, though, to be doing that now. Well, maybe he'll get back. It was one year, right? And and 10 years before that in Seattle, you were right. I just think, you know, it's just funny. Like making it coming off of this last season. He won a a Super Bowl, though. I I mean, Drew Drew Brees also, smaller quarterback. Like the other one. uh, But there, I mean, there's other guys. That was like in in a different era almost. Drew. Brees 20 years and retired two years ago, Amber. He was not playing elite football two years ago, though. He was 40. I understand that, but my point is, it's been a while since these undersized quarterbacks were successful in the NFL. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just saying it hasn't in a while. Lamar Jackson still doesn't have a new deal with the Baltimore Ravens, or anyone for that matter. Tim Hasselback says that it might be Lamar's own fault. Lamar Jackson's a great player. It, he appears to be a bad businessman. I, I like I, that's all I can really say. Like, and I, I look at this situation it reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell had the f- franchise tag placed on him. They, the Steelers did it again a second year. He did not play football that next year. Look, he maybe was doing it on principle. He maybe thought that the running back position or the position he was playing at the time because he was catching a lot of balls out of the backfield was worth more. The the moral of the story for Le'Veon Bell was he cost himself well over $10 million by doing that. Like, it, it just – it was a bad business decision. I get it that guys don't like writing checks to their agents, but in Lamar's situation, he could clearly negotiate down the percentage. He could – there are plenty of agents that would love to represent Lamar Jackson. Michael, going back to what he was saying about Le'Veon Bell, could you possibly see Lamar Jackson sitting out this year if he doesn't get the deal he wants? Could I see it? Yeah. Would it be a prudent decision? Absolutely not. Because football is unlike basketball. Football is unlike baseball. Football is unlike any other sport that we see. In that if you do not play it for a year, it is incredibly hard to get back to where you were. I'm not saying it doesn't happen because we see it with injuries. But if you voluntarily sit out for a year, 
especially in your the prime of your career, you're doing two things. One, you're sending a bad message, uh, if you're a quarterback specifically, to how you are as a team, because this is more of a team sport than anything else. And two, you're, you're costing yourself money. Like, he will cost himself $32 million if he sits out. You really want to do that, Lamar Jackson? I can't see it happening. I, I think that's just a conversation for people wanting to have a conversation about it. And sitting out and costing yourself over $30 million is significant for a guy who has only made the money that he made on a rookie deal. I mean, at this point, Lamar Jackson really, by Lamar Jackson standards, at that position with that resume, hasn't made much money yet. I understand it's a bleep ton of money compared to the rest of us, but compared to other careers similar to his in the National Football League, he hasn't gotten that payday yet. For him to turn down over $30 million to sit out, and then also, what does that actually do? If he doesn't show up to work and he's not getting paid, does that mean the next season all of a sudden the Ravens are going to give him $300 million guaranteed or anybody else? I'm not sure that actually changes the equation. And frankly, I don't think Deshaun Watson helps this conversation. I don't think the Deshaun Watson situation, the way that he played this last season, helped anything with those Lamar Jackson and what he seems to be seeking in terms of guaranteed money, but also what Deshaun Watson looked like after not playing football for an entire season probably doesn't help moving forward for Lamar Jackson if he was to sit out for a year, what people would feel comfortable paying him. Without well, question. Yes. Oh, without question. Yes, there you yeah, go. Without you question. You said you I, had a question. There you no, go. No, no, no questions. That, you, <laughs> you, you summed that up perfectly because – Deshaun, what happened with Deshaun Watson should tell Lamar Jackson everything he needs to know about not sitting out for a year because it's going to take time to get back. And you also put yourself at more injury risk. Don't do it, Lamar. Don't do that. Take the money, uh, even if it's on a one-year franchise tag, which is not ideal. Will Levis had his pro day earlier today and told Todd McShay what he thinks he needs to work on. A lot of the times when I'm missing throws, I see myself being inefficient on tape. It has a lot to do with like the movement like that precedes the throw. So not necessarily anything in the upper half, but just how I'm getting to the platform to throw sometimes can put me in a disadvantageous situation yep. and just trying to address those things. Amber, do you find, I guess you would call it his pre-throw decision-making, if he's saying that's a thing he needs to work on right now, is should that be a red flag for teams wanting to pick Will Levis? No, I like the transparency of that. I actually felt like that was a very good bite from Will Levis because the truth is all these guys have something to work on. They ain't NFL quarterbacks yet, and they're certainly not the greatest NFL quarterback, even if they're NFL ready. There's going to be things that Will Levis needs to work on. I, I like the transparency. I like the recognition because it shows that he recognizes that he has areas to work on, that he doesn't think he's the best, and that he wants to be the best, then he's willing to work on it. So if I'm a team, I'm actually encouraged by that, far more so than the guy who comes in and says, oh, no, I ain't got nothing to work on. Like, every single rook has a whole lot of things to work on, Michael. No, no question about that. And I like you, Amber, I liked his answer. But if I'm an NFL team, I am very concerned about that pre-snap decision-making because you have to be able to read defenses you have to be able to read coverage and anticipate and that comes with learning and that comes with studying to me hearing that and hearing that maybe that wasn't a great thing he did at Kentucky when he was theoretically mastering it on the college level that that's that's a that would be a red flag to me if I were a GM spending a top five pick on a player that just that I would be very concerned hearing about that because study habits are something that you should have coming in 
It seems like the main concern for a possible number one pick, Bryce Young, revolves around his size. You just heard me talking about Bryce Young's size. Well, Harry Douglas, host of Fitz and Harry. Harry's my guy, but I have to set this up this way. Okay, Harry Douglas is my guy, but Harry Douglas, undersized wide receiver, (laughs) Harry Douglas from Fitz and Harry thinks... Bryce Young will be just fine. My thing is, when you look at Bryce Young, you turn the tape on. He's a gamer. He's a playmaker. Mm. He's a quarterback. He's a guy that you can depend on and you count on. And you look at the numbers between him and C.J. Stroud, they aren't that different. Then I will say this, C.J. Stroud, I think, in in my opinion, I think he had better wide receivers. You talk about two guys who went in the first round last year. You talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's going to go in the first round this year. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to go in the first round next year. You look at Alabama in 2022, one of their deficiencies was the wide receiver position. But when Mm. you have a guy like Bryce Young that can, you know, improvise and do a lot of different things on a football field that not everyone is accustomed to doing, then you have that playmaker and you're finding yourself you're going to be in every game just about uh, every time you step out there on a football field well guys you kind of hit on it a couple questions ago but I don't have a different question so I'll ask it again is Bryce Young going to be just fine Amber oh I thought you were going to ask me about uh, Harry Douglas being an undersized wide receiver Uh, I thought that take from Harry was funny obviously because Harry then goes on to have a very long career in the National Football League as a wide receiver and so yes it's possible we make a whole lot about size all over the field in the National Football League but I do think it's a legitimate concern just because what I said earlier I cannot think of the quarterback who is undersized who has had recent success when you throw the Russell Wilsons of the world or the Drew Breeses of the world at me. I mean, we're, we're talking about years ago, and I understand Russell Wilson's still playing. I'm talking about success. So show me the guy who's been drafted here recently. Show me the Baker Mayfield of the world who's undersized and it has panned out. I haven't seen it, and that makes me nervous from a size perspective, even if Bryce Young has all of the other attributes. I'm not concerned about it. I would be more concerned about where Bryce Young's going as a team to what team he's going to because so much of this with almost every quarterback we're talking about depends on where they're being drafted and the type of system they're being drafted into and the type of coaching and talent they have around him versus the size. No one's questioning or should question whether Bryce Young can play. I I get the questions about the size portion of it. But it's all about whether he has a a quarterback coach, an offensive coordinator, a head coach who can develop him. And it's all about whether or not he's going to be able to have a talent around him. And you want to know what? Whoever goes to Carolina, whether that's Bryce Young or that's C.J. Stroud, they are in a great situation because of the staff that they have built. San Diego State right now is still up on Alabama, about a minute remaining in that game. So we might be steering our way towards an upset. Miami is also up on Houston, another upset potentially brewing uh, quite a bit of time left in the second half of that game. We will continue to keep you updated coming up next on both of those games. Plus, we're going to open up the phone lines to you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Any of your your hottest takes, whatever you want to discuss, any questions for us, bring them our way. 888-729-3776. The phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's how you chime into the conversation. The phone lines are open. Anything 
that you want to bring our way, whatever your hottest take is, Lamar Jackson, March Madness, whatever you have for us, the Los Angeles Lakers, 888-729-3776. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Michael Rothstein's been filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh, doing an excellent job. Give him a follow on social, at Mike Rothstein. You can give me a follow as well, at Amber W Sports. Right now, we are staring down two upsets this game Alabama, San Diego State is wild. We've got less than a minute left now in action here. There's about 37 seconds left in action in this game. San Diego State up on one seed Alabama, 68 to 64, Michael. Yeah, and I, I, you know, a half hour ago, I sit here and I say Alabama's inevitable, and I, I may have been wrong, and I openly admit that. We're talking about transparency with Will Levis earlier in the show. I will be transparent. I am very surprised by what we've seen tonight from San Diego State. San Diego State has played a extraordinarily good game. They had a 12-0 run in the middle of the second half that really brought them back into this and then put them in this situation. Really like what I've seen from the Aztecs. Whether they win this game or not, they have really shown something tonight. I think the eye injury to Mark Sears, Alabama's guard, definitely played a role here. But, I, Amber, I, San Diego State, like, kudos. Yeah. So if you hold on here, like, this is this is a massive win for your program and for Brian Dutcher, the head coach. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, it would be a massive win. San Diego State, a five seed in this tournament, uh, a huge upset. This is the first time tonight, and I, I can't remember what year it was. I heard Kevin Winter say it on a Sports Center update earlier today. It was something like, Like it's been decades and decades and decades since we had a situation where none of the teams playing have won a national championship. None of the teams in action tonight have a national title, not a one. It is a weird tournament. We don't have the the blue blood programs left in this one, Michael. There's so many names that you don't expect to be here frankly and then also even the teams like in Alabama that you expect to be here you don't normally expect to be here it's not a traditional program it's just been a team that's been good all season long so you're not surprised to see them in a sweet 16 you will be surprised to see them go down to San Diego State if this is how it plays out yeah absolutely and they're now up 69 64 with a little over 25 seconds left and they're at the line so if they make this it'll continue to be a two-possession game. So time's getting short here for Alabama. But you're right in that there has not been the quote-unquote traditional blue blood programs, but that's A, what makes the tournament so interesting, and B, what's made this year specifically so intriguing when we're talking about this. Houston, of course, was incredibly close to winning a national title, but uh, Jim Valvano had something to say about that when he, you know, but that's also what, 38, 39 years ago at this point. Right, uh, it was. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some of your phone calls. Triple eight, say ESPN. Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black odd, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play caller roulette with Joe and Amber. So we will keep you updated here over the next few minutes as this action continues. Let's spin the wheel. Ryan, Ryan is calling us from New York. Ryan, thanks for the phone call. Go ahead. Good night. Hey, Ryan, what do you have for us? So I just want to let you know, you know, I'm a big Colts fan, and I'm a little worried about this year's draft. You know, 
with Carolina jumping up to number one, I have two points to make. One, I'm, I'm kind of tired of going through this quarterback carousel with guys way past their prime, like Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. You know, we got Gardner Minshew coming into the fold this year, and I was really hoping that we would get a guy like C.J. Stroud, but now I'm a little nervous that might not happen. And my second point being, you know, in a perfect world, it would have been nice to see a little combination in Indianapolis with C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison in next year's drafts. What do you think about that? Uh, Thanks so much for the call, Ryan. You know, it's interesting with the Colts because I think we're in a situation we could see them try to trade up. Michael, they have drafted two quarterbacks in the first round since 1998. Their names are Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. So the Colts traditionally have drafted pretty well at that position in the first round. They need a quarterback in this one. It's weird, though, that sitting at four, they're nervous about their possibility of getting a good one. Yeah, they they are, I guess. Uh, I'm more interested in that Marvin Harrison piece because guess what? If you're drafting Marvin Harrison next year, that probably means you have a top two or three pick. And I, don't, I just don't know if that happens. Uh, breaking news here, Alabama's out. San Diego State holds on, beats Alabama 71-64. The Aztecs move on. Alabama, the number one overall seed in the tournament, out. Miami still up double digits on Houston. So it is possible that we will have no one seeds left by tonight. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, it is the madness of March. This is what we all live for with March Madness, and this was madness. You can see the disappointment, of course, on all the Alabama players' faces. It is it is madness. Nobody really could have predicted this one here, but a lot of brackets just got busted with that loss. Miami up right now over Houston, 72 to 55. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're going to keep you up to date on all of the action next. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.